Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Helen. And I'm Stephen. And this is the New Statesman post-election podcast um let's just can we have our obligatory moan before we start which is how tired are you how grumpy are you i'm actually (laughs) how sad are you i think i'm at that weird stage where one of the systems i've shut down to deal with the fact that i basically had less than two hours of sleep after doing the live blog then sending my my morning email which i don't talk about enough on this podcast um I and I then had about two hours of sleep, and basically the thing I've shut down is my ability to feel. Your sadness um, gland is now so offline. I also am. So the interesting thing is, obviously, I really did not think this would happen. And Do you I know was, who did think this would happen? You. Yeah, me. Well, uh, but but let's be fair. You. The reason that you were led astray is that you looked at the best possible polling information that we had and looked into it. I, on the other hand, followed a scientific process known as 2016 is a garbage fire and only bad things happened in 2016 and that's why a bad thing is going to happen. So I won't claim any great, like, there was no great polling or, like, data-based insight. I just thought everything is horrible and on fire. This sounds plausible. Well, the thing I did is, and I need to revisit them, is I deliberately wrote up yesterday what my prior assumptions were uh, because, obviously, that way you can you can stress test them. And I think... Um, where I fell down is I instinctively don't believe there's that much of a read across um, between the United States and Europe. Uh, and so I was very leery of the Brexit comparison because I feel I've heard so many rubbish British politicians, mm. and actually some good British politicians, you know, compare themselves, you know, have all their fans compare them to Obama, you know, Miliband to Obama, Corbyn to Obama, the other Miliband to Obama, Ed Balls to Obama, Yvette Cooper to Hillary Clinton, Tessa Jowell to Hillary Clinton. Then I think I was guilty of a type of snobbery in the... Just, just a type of, which is a way of of admitting to a bigotry, but then putting the word type of, which makes it seem less bad. Just a straightforward snobbery. Then I have conditioned myself to when someone goes, this this British thing is like an American thing, and vice versa, to be like, oh, you're an idiot, aren't you? And so, 
Um, I took. I know what you the... mean. It's a very lazy kind of route one analysis, where you, or where you kind of go. Theresa May is like Angela Merkel, and actually, there's some comparisons that you can make between them. But it's also a bit like she is a middle aged woman, and like I've just that looks similar. So it, it can it can be a bit of a sign of a basic. But no, this is why I think I hold this against you and, and John Ellidge because last week I said actually I was beginning to think that Clinton was going to win it purely because I just felt that my gut instinct, read the garbage fire, needed to be overridden by by data um but essentially at this point we might as well throw out polls i mean how many times did i check bloody 538 during that and actually i really might as well like margaritaville which i spoke to um john ellidge about on the podcast last week i really might as well have beheaded a chicken and let it wander around a, a grid for a while to come up with my answer i disagree actually go on um, for a couple of reasons one uh, and I'm not going to pretend this was far-sighted because I kind of, when I kept saying, oh, well, he has a path which involves white non-voters turning out in droves, I didn't think, I thought it was plausible, but I didn't think it actually could happen in the same way that I know theoretically I could throw a tennis ball off the wall of this catacomb and bounce it off the, the table and back. But I also think it's highly unlikely yeah. I can make that shot. But there was the evidence in the data that could happen, Right. Um, well, that's why I but, suppose that all those polling sites were trying to do us a service to try and make us understand statistics better, right? By trying to introduce us to the concept of margin of error. I mean, I think 538 in the end ended up with about a one in three chance of a Donald Trump victory. Now, if someone said, you know, I'm going to roll this dice and one in three times you'll get a thousand pounds, you'd think, oh, sounds pretty de- decent odds, actually. So I suppose we just do have to kind of deal with the fact you can't make absolute predictions there is always a just a probability based yeah i think um, i I do also think there were elements of 538's model than actually in terms of what went wrong i don't think i think they got to the right number but not necessarily in the in the way i would but that is a very uh, dull and wonkish chat for another time i've decided though it's actually much better to think that the bad thing's not going to happen I just like the level of stress I was under for like most of the referendum campaign compared to like the blissful state of unawareness. I mean, to us, even at that point when Virginia looked good, I was like, oh, yeah, things are fine. Things are going. Oh, well, you know, don't worry about Florida. So I came in this morning very early to finish off the magazine. And I was yesterday, I was the lonely Cassandra in the office going, let's prepare a Trump cover, though, just in case, you know, let's prepare a Trump leader, though, just in case, you know. Well, and every like, and actually, in this almost superstitious way, I was like, well, obviously, if Clinton wins, you know, I want to write about these themes. But if Trump wins, I want to write about these themes. And I sort of, I could see that everyone else was looking at me and like you are you have gone off the you know you've gone demented but you know i now i was gonna say i don't the trouble is it's a totally hollow vindication right I, i'm sure you felt this over brexit yeah I, I thought that people were awful people are awful okay let's talk yeah. okay let's talk about awful because i can see already that there is the the way this is going to be spun is going to be Oh, ye revolt of the um, left behind against the elite. You know, Hillary represented the establishment and Donald Trump was a plucky outsider, you know, speaking to people in the Rust Belt. Um, And I do think there are some real complications to that. The first of which is there was a brilliant piece by Vox saying, you know, when people tell you why they're voting for things, listen to them. And a lot of people were saying they wanted, they were worried about it. White people were worried about the changing demographics of the country. And actually, even if you're economically anxious, 
you can say that those people were actually, they were willing to overlook open racism, right? Some of them obviously indulged it, some of them reveled in it. But at the bare minimum, this was people for whom someone saying that Mexicans were rapists or that he'd sexually assaulted women were not deal breakers. And I think that is something that you can criticise even while you acknowledge that there is some economic anxiety behind it. I mean, I think the thing about the economic anxiety thing is, right, is, like, do you know what's a pretty economically anxious job? I'm not saying you just, like, you're... Working, working in a casino in Nevada, right? But guess what? Most people who work in casinos in Nevada are Latinx, and they they queued round the block uh, and voted for the Democrats. You know what's pretty insecure? Being black and living in any yeah. urban center surrounded by police in 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 modern America. And guess what? Those people, despite the fact that the Republicans have gutted voting, so one of yeah yeah. I saw those big pictures of big lines. I mean, yeah. you know, the voter suppression. You know, the, the the GOP put out a press release yesterday, kind of like almost it was essentially was boasting about how much African American turnout was down. No, I agree with you. I think there's a real problem, and I think we need to separate out. There is a a feeling here, and I think it's the same thing with Brexit, where immigration and demographics come into it, of white people who felt who feel that. Of course, immigrant, recent immigrants and minorities should struggle, but the, my struggle is somehow qualitatively different, right? Because I, I'm owed this, you know, this is my country, which is, I mean, it's an innately hilarious concept when it comes to America. If it's anyone's country, it's the Native Americans, right? Like, you know, white people tipped up pretty late on that. But, but you know, if, if you're having a rubbish time, and I think we've actually both said this before, then your, your sense of your country doing all right and remaining its purity becomes uh, stronger. However... And the trajectory as well. I think that's the other thing as well. If you can see that there's an immigrant trajectory where people feel that their children are doing better than they are, whereas actually I think there are white voters in places like Kentucky who do not think their children will do better than they are. Yeah. However, I mean, I guess where I kind of feel like this this breaks down is I feel that there's this the problem with both Brexit and this isn't there is a section of of the right which actually is really into the racial resentment than uh than thinks immigration is bad wants to reduce it and is happy to take that mandate there's actually a section of the left which whether it agrees with that or it just wants the problem to go away because it just wants fewer people in northern constituencies or fewer people in congressional districts in pennsylvania to complain to them they want to go yeah of course the migration is a problem and then there's another group which agrees and that's a problem doesn't really know what solution there is to it and so the response is to go oh the answer is to be left-wing and populist or oh the answer is to talk more about england or the answer is to be a bit more blue labor blue labor of course is one of those kind of weird series of impulses in search of a policy platform yes oh people like living in communities okay brilliant what what is what is the blue labor plan for more people to live in communities whatever whatever that rather nebulous phrase means um and yet, and I just think, yeah, this this is a problem that I didn't really know what the solution, that I thought the solution to in Europe, depressingly enough, was time, because eventually uh, we would become as diverse in America and their diversity uh, was inoculating them against this uh, right-wing global headwind. Now, of course, in the popular vote it did, but in the Electoral College it did not. Uh, the difficulty is, is because my answer to that problem was time, and it now turns out that that doesn't work, I am fairly lost. Well, after the nuclear war, we'll all have to band together anyway to pick through the ruins. It's true. I, I So one of the other reasons why I'm less upset about this than Brexit is, one, I haven't had a run-up, right? 
I haven't. Are you still processing the information? Yeah. Are you still at that stage? But yeah. also, because it's so much worse, right? So, like, worst case... Well, so the outside worst case scenario of Brexit is that, is that Britain takes the EU down with it. But, I mean, for that to happen, a lot of other awful things also have to happen. Like, you know, Le Pen winning the French presidential election, which, you know, is, is, is an extreme... Perfectly plausible. Perfectly plausible. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I was saying... But, okay, well, let, let's go through the thing, the bad thing, because I think this is the trouble, isn't it? We have to... This has actually been an election in which there's been almost no talk about policy platforms, right? It's all been about how angry Trump voters are, how people don't like Hillary Clinton, how she used a private server for her emails, and actually, you know, healthcare and, uh, you know, tax and stuff like that has just been absolutely kind of nowhere in the discussion. So the problems with Trump, oh, the Trump presidency. Okay, what? Let's let's list them. I I I agree that we might. So first of all, Merrick Garland's Supreme Court nomination. Well, that's not happening. That's I mean, dear. So, you know, he, yeah. So, so ninth Supreme Court justice now becomes a Republican nominee, um, and therefore a whole slew of things that are waiting um, to be ruled on since they've had a four-four gridlock will now go the way of conservatives. Yeah, and the likelihood, if you look at the ages of people on the benches, he will get to replace a, a further two. Um, I know, I hope Ruth Bader Ginsburg is wrapping up warm this winter. Yeah. And, you know, the the really scary thing about all of this, it turns out, yes, there are even more really scary things about all of this. Um, presidential democracy is not a particularly great system in terms of checks and balances and not falling prey to autocratic capture. The US actually has had a remarkably long run in terms of avoiding that. Um if you look at how Trump has staffed his businesses, this is a man who takes revenge on enemies, who humiliates and tries to destroy people who he feel have wronged him, often for trivial or imagined reasons. Uh, he is going to staff the government in a crony, in a yeah, yeah, with, with his relatives, with this one eye for revenge, etc. Yeah, when they asked him which women he'd put in the cabinet, he kind of basically just came up with Ivanka. Yeah. And but do you not think that some of that would be solved by literally being the biggest... Like, if he needs constant approval and attention... I don't know. He like he literally is the big dog now. No, because it's never enough for people for people like that. He's yeah. got a Senate majority, and in terms of the Senate map in 2018, there is very little chance he will get one. There is gerrymandering and voter suppression in in, in the in the House to a, sort of an epic level way. So you will have a House majority for almost certainly his first four years. He wields phenomenal power. I mean, it is an open question whether or not the 2020 presidential election could will meet norms for being free. I was going to say, it will happen. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. no, and in terms of military, I mean, the classic thing has always been presidents in their first term get tired of not being able to get anything through um, an oppositional Congress, so they have, a, they have a war or they start flexing their muscles abroad. I mean, it's slightly different with him because... I mean, I think his relationship with Russia is a really a NATO, and and how much he contributes to that is a really open question. And actually, whether or not he just ends up being very isolationist, but yeah, yeah. I mean, to be honest, in terms of his threats to global security, my instinct is is that you know he will be continue his kind of obeisance towards Russia, which avoids the possibility of a of a direct conclusion. I mean, obviously, that is not great news if you're in the Baltic states. Or indeed Aleppo. Or in Aleppo, uh, currently uh, being bombed. But, um, but there is another cause of global potential global war flaring up in the next 10, 15 years, and it's catastrophic climate change. And Trump's election means that we are not going to have... And obviously, the chances of getting one were already fairly... 
slim. But uh, we're not going to have a climate change We're not going to have a climate change deal. Well, he said during the election, didn't he? He tweeted that, and then denied during a debate that uh, climate change was a Chinese hoax. Yeah, I mean... A f- a f- Which seems like an odd thing for the Chinese who are building a shit ton of power stations and airports and roads to be hoaxing about, but... A good... Yeah, a good, uh, yeah someone... source who I've come to regard as a friend is a... Uh, is a vegetarian for uh, for uh, politi- for you know climate change reasons uh, in terms of the carbon, and they text they WhatsApped me when the result came in, just being like, "Well, at least I can start eating steak again because there's a drop a steaky drop in the ocean yeah. of horror." Because they were just like, "Yeah," but I mean. The climate change stuff, I think, is the most catastrophic stuff. Then there's, uh, but obviously that's just but the climate change apocalyptic and, level and the um, migration caused by by climate yeah. by climate change, right? But there, you know, but there are bit bits of, um, I'm going to say, like Miami and places like that that are really suffering already through um, high water levels and stuff like that. I mean, actually, as a domestic problem, it's in the next 15 years. That's, that's something that America needs to worry about. Yeah, and but then, I agree. He's he's worse at home. I think if I were, were Muslim in America, if I were black in America and living in a in an inner city, I would have, you know, I mean, the the statements he's made about things like police, for example, and about homeland security. You know, I think that's going to be a very unpleasant atmosphere of suspicion. Yeah, and I mean, the the Supreme Court appointments. And what he himself has said about abortion in this campaign, obviously in the past he has funded Planned Parenthood, but but the reality of a Republican president, a Republican Senate, is that Roe v. Wade, the right to an abortion, is going to be over. Yeah, the, the domestic stuff is, is yeah. Like well, they will do presumably what they've already done already, which is just um, nibble away at it through a million things. So through things like, you know, you have to have an ultrasound, a vaginal ultrasound before you get to an abortion. So you have to say, we'll try and show you your baby's heartbeat. Pence, uh, or his, his vice president, ordered women to have um, funerals for babies that they'd miscarried or aborted. You know, I mean, these are just kind of cruel, punitive measures that are designed to discourage abortions yeah and um you know in terms of sort of one of the f- the few rays of light uh on the night was was nevada um that was kind of the other thing is that i had foolishly allowed myself to convince myself that i needed to just be very aware of the data in nevada and if the data in nevada was good everything else would fall nevada was my equivalent of the 35 percent strategy because like, oh look the lib dem vote has collapsed and gone to labor but it turned out there was this thing called ukip and this thing called the snp which <laughs> both took votes for and it was similar to that in some ways but one of the reasons why that happened and actually one of the reasons why florida was close is that there was record he, he, uh, Latinx turnout. Like, you, you can't increase your your own turnout without increasing the other sides. That that remains the case. However, one of course he was increasing the turnout of a much larger group. He was it was fishing in a larger pool, but they will be able to pass laws to mean that probably that is the most Hispanic that the electorate of Nevada is for some time, right? That is the most diverse the electorate of Florida is. You know, they'll make it harder for people to vote, have more restrictions. You know, you... It is going to be crazy that we, you know, we've heard so much about Brexit and about how, you know, this is the people speaking against the elites. And you kind of go, oh, I'm just going to remind you that actually, you know, 48% of people didn't vote for it, including people in Northern Ireland, say, you know, which has got um, low productivity, low wages, you know, who are very much not the elite. And the same thing with, it does look like Clinton's won the popular vote, right? 
So actually, if you say the people have spoken, well, actually, if you're going to take a straight majority, the people have spoken in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, this, this is the thing. It's like the, the people have did not want a, a Republican how congressional majority in the house that's not what they voted for and they did not vote for for trump um i mean which and these were not the priors i i was talking up so this, so this is the thing it's like if you were one of the people who who was saying uh in the air there was a very interesting conversation on pbs which is why where i was watching the end of the world uh, last night yeah if you're one of the people who was saying america is too diverse for this to happen you were actually right uh, except, unfortunately for you, the Electoral College meant that it didn't matter. But, it, yeah, I mean, it, it is even more disingenuous to describe what has happened as the vote of the people than to describe uh, Brexit as the vote of the, of the people as if there were 16 million people living in kale houses drinking soy lattes. What a world that would be. Yeah, I know. And the same thing with if you actually look at the income, you know, the, the people on very low incomes overwhelmingly voted Clinton, right? So this is actually, it's a much, we need a kind of better word for that demographic, which is also the the, the Brexit demographic, which is older voters who um, didn't go to university, who are white, and who are, you know, they have a little bit, but they are still kind of struggling. It's odd because the, there are, I mean, there are lots of interesting undercurrents, but obviously yesterday there was um, a mild kind of diversion about the fact that Bill Clinton, in a speech, said that Jeremy Corbyn had become leader because people wanted the maddest person in the room. He was speaking in the American English sense, so he meant the angriest person, not the craziest person in the room, uh, because they're feeling angry and hard done by. Which actually, I think, in terms of the kind of lukewarm opposition to most things offered by the other three, uh, and kind of also Owen Smith, I can't believe it's not Corbyn uh, routine. I think it's probably a fair summation mm. what happened. Of course, that is what happened... Uh, yesterday, people, uh, well, people in the Electoral College voted. Uh, for, so there was a group of people, yeah, old, um, yeah, uncomfortable with diversity, um, for whom actually the idea of, oh, we're integrating, we're becoming more diverse is heard as we're being wiped out, not people are intermingling with us. Um, yeah, so it's a, that is a, a grim vista. Shall we have a, a, a cheery vent about the world's silliest people yeah in our safe space of the podcast can we talk about who's come out of this really badly yeah i mean obviously i have dented my record your uh, yeah your um brexit sage record is now not as burnished as it was you have shown too much faith in the people but then again i also wonder i remember you saying about brexit the one of the reasons that you saw it happening is because you'd been outside london and being black people had you know, you'd seen that kind of resentment. And actually, had you been on the ground in America, maybe you would have felt that more. Maybe this is the difference, is that you got feedback before that you weren't getting by not being physically there. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, my instinct is in terms of the, obviously, I will do five predictions for 2017. No, don't, don't. Uh, <laughs> no one wants that. Um, but, um, How will they, any of them be good? No, uh, but um, <laughs> the... Yeah, in terms of, of, of those five, the two I got wrong were I thought Labour would not come third in Scotland. I've been to Scotland, but I don't, you know, visit... I mm. don't know it as well as I would like. Um, and I didn't include Trump, but I'm going to add that on as another... another you know, an extra. And I, I didn't have that feedback and that sense of uh, the depth of white 
racial resentment. I think um, I got that a bit from reading J.D. Vance's book, Hillbilly Elegy, and I think it, it, where, he, where he talks about Ohio and Kentucky and actually some of that just sense of... Um, and actually, Chris Arnaud has also been really good on this, is that where he described this phenomenon as, of back row kids yeah. um, and the idea that you just, you know, you want someone who's actually... And you like the fact that Trump stands up to people because you, he stands up to people that, you know, are snooty or, you know, you think that they're, you know, all that or they've, you know, they're swats or whatever. And he's just, the, you know, actually, he's the slightly brash one, but he's a bit, you know, he's... You you can never be the kind of cerebral Obama or the, you know, swatty Clinton, but you could be the guy who flicks two fingers to them and kind of... And that's quite an attractive thing. Yeah. The other people who've had a, a bad election are... This isn't actually cheering me up at all. Bernie are, Sanders fans who still think that he would have beaten Trump? Uh, I mean, let's get on to them last because... Okay. Because <laughs> at least that will be depressing but funny to laugh at, right? Uh, is actually the reverse of people. It's people who are adherents of the Third Way or Blairites or Clintonites or centrists, whatever, or left-wing neoliberals, whatever answer you, you yeah, whatever label uh, you, you, you feel comfortable with if you're of that persuasion or whichever one you think is, is more of a useful descriptor, who have been saying basically since Tony Blair left the scene in Europe and America and the UK, well, look, we've got an activist problem. We can't get our people through our grassroots. But actually, we don't have an electorate problem. Hillary Clinton did get through the grassroots. She actually did overwhelmingly well among the Democratic uh, Party's grassroots. It turned out, actually, the third way did have uh, uh, an, an electorate problem. It, it, it came apart under the same headwinds. Yes, it won the popular vote, but, but not by enough. And also, you know, you, 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 you aim to win under the rules of the system. You, you yeah. know when you, you know what they are when, uh, when, you, when you enter. Uh, so... And, and, you know, obviously we've said before uh, that then there are big problems basically for every flavour of uh, of elector, electoral-based left-wing politics. But it is a kind of nail in the coffin for the idea that, you know, say, if Liz Kendall hadn't got 4.5% of the vote, she'd now be on 45% of the vote in the polls, right? We kind of... That, that has taken a bit of a pound. Well, that kind of relates to the people that I kind of want to nominate uh, as my people that I think have, have, have come out of this very badly, which is mainstream Republicans, um, because they kind of... They rode the tiger of encouraging things like the Tea Party, encouraging this alternate media that is the sort of conservative talk show host that is now websites like Breitbart, this kind of alt-right collection of websites. They were very happy to say that the media was all full of liberal bias, construct a world of kind of conspiracy theories, thinking that it would help them. And then what happened? It turned out that actually Donald Trump was a much better user of that populism than, you know, I'm going to say, you know, Paul Ryan was or... um, God, the awful one, Ted Cruz, you know, he just, he combined that with a dash of sort of celebrity and a kind of ability to generate publicity. And it just turned out that the tools that they built in order to get their platform through actually could be used by by anybody. Um, So I think they've come out of it kind of really poorly. I mean, some, I think that there has been a certain salvaging of reputation of the Bush family, Mitt Romney, John McCain, who all refused to, to vote well, John McCain did kind of endorse him at first, right? Yeah, like, after after he'd said that he didn't respect him as a war hero because he got caught. I mean, I just feel like yeah, this is that, when pe- don't forget, don't forgive that John McCain. Like that party loyalty is not worth that. Well, when people are saying, "Oh, you know, moderates in the Republican Congress." 
will hold him back. It's like, oh, you have not been paying enough attention to American pop. But okay, well, that's, but that, that, yeah. that reminds me to a thing that I, I think picks up something you were saying, which I think is really worrying. You're talking about like, Clinton winning the popular vote, but not enough. What is really worrying is that, by all accounts, Trump's campaign was very poorly funded for a really long amount of time, right? He just didn't have a huge amount of, of ground organisers. Um, and he was disowned or detached from a lot of people running in their own Senate races, Congress races, who thought they were going to, he was going to drag them down and didn't, didn't kind of, you know, sell themselves as Republican candidates, they sold themselves on personal brands. And, you know, a lot of grandees cut off so, a certain amount of support for him. I mean, he obviously had some very big donors like Sheldon Adelson and people like that. But actually, had he been a competent version of Donald Trump, right, a more disciplined version of Donald Trump, with all the same toxic opinions and policy positions, he might have done a lot, lot better. So I actually disagree, right? So one of my... Then this is this is a, a new opinion, so I reserve the right to stress test it and decide it's actually a bad one. One of the things I wrote before the result is one of the reasons why I was bearish or bullish on Trump and now I'm merely sheepish on Trump (laughs) Uh, was that he did not have a good ground operation Mm. right however you know as 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 Tony Blair to say something nice about third wayers after being mean about them earlier says in in the forward to um the unfinished revolution like this idea that a good campaign can rescue you from the problems of a bad candidate. Oh, yeah, that's what we all thought May 2015 about Labour, right? And I think the thing is, I think I'd kind of forgotten that, actually. Yeah, but that is fascinating because we have had this discussion as well about whether or not Labour has got a flaw that pair of people who just vote Labour, right? And that's the thing I think is fascinating is that Trump distant him. How much was Trump seen by people as the Republican candidate and how much was he seen as the, the Trump party candidate? I mean, I think the thing is he kind of got got to play it both ways. There were there were states where he underperformed the Republican candidate. There were states where he overperformed them. Mm. But the really crucial thing was that enough Republicans had kind of mainstreamed him that he got enough of the Republican vote to win uh, in the Electoral College. Um, but I think that's a big failure of the media as well. I think that the... I mean, I know that there will oh, yeah, inevitably be... a shocker of this election. ...media uh, navel-gazing. But but the failure to um, distinguish between him and actually mainstream Republicans uh, has been a really appalling. The false equivalence between Clinton's sort of minor bits of sort of slight, you know, subterfuge around her email server and these massive, terrible opinions and, you know, outright boasts of, uh, of you know, cheating people, not paying taxes, makes him smart, all this kind of stuff. That's been a, a shocker, as has been treating him like a joke initially. Uh, and then you can't pivot to then saying, "Oh, he's not. A, he's not a joke." We all said it was very funny, but actually, he's Hitler. Like no one, no one was going to believe that. Jimmy Fallon going, letting him go on his show and like lark about. I think well, looks a catastrophic misjudgment. Yeah, and 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 actually, it was similar to that. Was another way than yeah. I mean, the prior about the uh, US UK uh, descriptions that prior turned out to be full of holes. Um, In what way? Well, I just. My instinct then there was a bigger gulf between. I just think the gulf I thought existed between the US and Europe is not as large as I thought it was yesterday. Um, but yeah, just as with Brexit, the media cover this ridiculous, you know, false equivalence. It's, oh, it's been an awful campaign, as if the awfulness had irradiated naturally from the sky and not, you know, emanated from from one particular candidate. But on a cheery note, let's all laugh at the people who think that Bernie Sanders would have done better. <laughs> 
right. it's our only lonely consolation as we head into the nuclear sunset, okay. which is this sort of. Well, do you know what I think it's down to? I think there's a problem. Um, I think there's a there's a kind of clash between le- people who see themselves as left wing and people who see themselves as liberal, and people who feel themselves as left wing. Some of them are of that slightly Bolshevik tendency where they think that you know, kind of the soft left has to be defeated to usher in the proper revolution. That's how they sort of saw the, the Sanders Clinton thing. There's also, I think, a big problem with the fact that almost everyone in Britain, with the exception of like Raheem Kassam and Nigel Farage, didn't support Trump, right? The mainstream of the Tory party back Clinton, the mainstream of the Labour Party, the SNP, all would have been very happy with the Clinton presidency. Everyone basically wanted the same thing. And if you define yourself as somebody who is, you know, a lefty, that's a really important identity that you attach to yourself, then that's, you don't want to have the same opinion as, I don't know, Matthew Paris or... um, I don't know, let's name other... Yeah, exactly, right? You want to... So you, what you need to do at that point is to kind of say, well, obviously, I wouldn't want to... I, I would. I personally would want to vote for a much more left-wing candidate. I always forget how much Janan Ganesh sounds like goes to be NBN. Janan Ganesh. But anyway... Um, yeah, so that's my problem, is that I think, you know, obviously, Clinton... Uh, what she... You know, where she stands on the political spectrum is not where I stand, but it's sort of one of those things where... It's kind of like, well, in an ideal world, you know, I'd be a size eight and eat bacon butties all day long. But you have to make the best out of the choices that you're given. I also think that, so I have a couple of problems with it. One, I think, so people are massively overreading some polls taken during the primary, which showed Sanders overperforming Clinton against yeah, Trump. when he right? hadn't faced any attacks. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is that ultimately, because it, it never really looked close... We we no one uh, really attacked Sanders in in kind of great depth. It was not anywhere near as vicious as the two thousand and eight primary. So one it is a silly comparison from from that perspective. The the most important one is we know that Michael Bloomberg, you know, capital would not have permitted such a left wing Democrat to be the only alternative to Trump. Bloomberg would have got in the race. And 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 so Bernie could not have done better than than Hillary Clinton, right? That is kind of the thing that no one really. It's just like so. There's quite an important variable here, which is this other candidate who would have run. And this um, idea that a guy who couldn't. I mean, I know Corbyn say this, supporters say this, and it's annoying. But the guy who lost quite comprehensively in the primaries to Hillary Clinton was magically going to become but, a bl- blossom into some sort of much more impressive candidate. But the but the Corbyn supporters are 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 a hundred percent correct on that. I, yeah, so I mean, yeah, if you can't beat Corbyn in the in the selection, you probably can't beat whoever they're going to put up against you in the election. Yeah, and I, and but also just like ultimately, a lot of people have talked about the Democratic nomination, uh, and my instinct is because the people doing this are white and don't actually have any black friends, or more importantly, actually more accurately, black relatives who are older than them because uh, they ran sort of fifty fifty among uh, black uh, millennials. Is then. She won because she got she won by a popular vote landslide. She won the primaries, you know, the the you know, the the unbound delegates by a by a landslide because she won a landslide largely powered by by black and other minority voters, right? And like ultimately, seeing as one of the problems was not sufficient turnout from black voters in this election, this idea and the solution to that was someone who couldn't get black voters in his own primary. I mean. It, I think that's it a really thing feels, that people feels unlikely, doesn't it? They, like just it, it, people kind of forget about Hillary Clinton. I mean, David Remnick's The Bridge, which is about Obama's um, first run. You know, the fact that actually there were some black community leaders who really ummed and ahed about you know the choice between the first 
black candidate, which is an incredibly you know, important landmark, and the fact they felt a loyalty to Clinton, who, as they sort of said, had been to all the events, right? She turned up to all the stuff. She'd done a lot. She and Bill Clinton had done a lot of work with African-American community leaders. The fact that was even a question when the alternative was Obama testifies to the fact that she put a lot of work into listening to that community. Yeah, and I think, you know, people talk a lot and actually mostly in an ahistorical way about things like the welfare bill and super predator. I mean, that was an agenda that a large chunk of sort of black political leadership uh, saw as the way to get... That was about the time that Bill Cosby was talking about how, you know, African-Americans needed to pull their pants up and like the sort of respectability agenda, right? Like the 90s were a bad and different time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd take them back now. Um, (laughs) But um, but yeah, I think, yeah, it is just a, a sort of nonsense... Uh, conceit because of the Bloomberg thing, because of the fact that he was. But the the last the last one is is like if you like if you think that a man who has successfully won an election on a ticket of white resentment wouldn't have been able to defeat a Jewish candidate for uh for the uh, he'd been a senator for de- for decades yeah. as well. This is the other thing as well. You've been able to paint him as just as much of an establishment, but with nasty overtones of like money grabbing. Well, I mean, the final Trump advert was like actually had phrases in it like international, what is it, international groups who control the levers of world finance. Yeah. You know, it was that kind of like. And, and people shouldn't wink. forget that, you know, the African American community, as with the black community in Britain, does not have a great record on anti Semitism all the, all the time. That, that would have hurt him among that community. I imagine it did in the. That may, it was part of why he had struggled in that community in the primaries, and that would have hit him in the in the general as well. I think, you know, the the dispiriting thing about the the left, I used to say in Europe, but I now have to say worldwide, is and it is a series of things where people go, "What if we try this?" And you're like, "Here's another country. They did that. It didn't work, right?" <laughs> that basically there is not really a you know kind of people people got very excited about Renzi, and and now he is struggling. People were excited about. Cyprus and and obviously he has a been uh, partly broken by 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 his creditors, but also he is now trailing in the polls to the right. Um, yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's just a it's just a silly idea, it's just a silly 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 idea. It didn't actually even cheer me up pointing out that it was a silly. No, idea. but the trouble is, it's essentially unfalsifiable, isn't it? Because there is no there is no way to prove it or disprove it because you can't without running without hopping into an alternate reality, which I would take right now. I know this is kind of a semi-special kind of extended howl into the void, mm. but I did think there was actually a very good You Ask Us by someone who, in, as, in, as in keeping, I've forgotten their name. Well, let's come back to that so we can put a break in, because God knows people will need one by now. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And together we host the New Statesman's pop culture podcast, Seriously. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, you can get this episode and everything else we've done on newstatesman.com forward slash S-R-S-L-Y. You. Ask. Us. And, um... (laughs) One of the things you've asked on your face then was extraordinary. I I mean, a lot of you have mainly asked us why, God, why, why, why. Uh, I feel we dealt with that in the first section, but we had an an interesting question, which is, has the proliferation and creation of political polling been bad for journalism and therefore the coverage of elections and politics in general? Now, I touched on this last week with John, and my feelings have only got stronger since last week, which is that it's bad. It's a bad thing. It's a bad, 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 bad thing. 
Um, and I'll tell you why, because I already think that the problem with the way that elections are covered is far too much about a narrative and a soap opera and a like, a, oh, she's up three points here. Oh, such and such. A, he's doing well with 29 year old shepherds in Alabama. And what that does is it, it, it gives you a huge amount of volatility, a huge amount of noise. There's always something to report, you know, it fills the kind of, it expands like a gas to fill the available space. But it crowds out because it's sort of more interesting than talking about scrutinising policy positions. And I think that one of the things that's really noticeable from this election is, tell me what Donald Trump's tax plan is. The Ryan tax plan, isn't it? I think he's probably against tax, broadly. um... But I'll be honest with you, I really couldn't tell you... I mean, I'm going to assume that it was bad, but that is based purely on the prejudice that I, I haven't yet heard a policy from him that is good. And I think that's that's really... And also, it's just, it actually means as well that he's really been able to get away with lots of things that ought to, you know, his base constituencies really ought to object to if they were living by their values. I mean, Christian evangelicals, for example, turns out they actually really don't care that much about how many times someone's been married. They, they that, that was, you know, I, I mean, actually, the evangelical community is, is an interesting, interesting place on divorce, although obviously the Christ, yeah, I, there are practicing questions there. And they have voted in favour of the person who's going to bring in the flood. So I, I disagree, right? And then I think I completely agree that polling has done all of these things. I just think polling is not why that's happened. If, 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 we, if we banned all polling tomorrow, instead you'd get like things where people would like, you know, get on a train, box pop, four people in a pub, go it's neck and neck or... Yeah, but I actually think that there's been less of that, which is kind of more interesting. I mean, they all published a piece that I found very amusing, but also very horrifying, which was like, which was called, I talked to some Trump voters too. And it was like, I've been to, you know, Toledo, whatever, or, um, and, you know, and these people are angry. And the trouble was that that just, it, Actually, I didn't hear enough from ordinary people. Like, I was a member of a, a secret Facebook group called Pantsuit Nation, which was for people who were um, interested in Hillary Clinton, supported Hillary Clinton. I wanted to see actually whether or not there was genuine enthusiasm for Hillary Clinton. And there was, right? There actually uh, there was. There were women who were really excited about voting for her. And I never heard from any of them. There was like one BuzzFeed story on, you know, 96-year-old women who were born before the 19th Amendment, when before women could have the vote, who were really excited for the first time to cast their ballot. And I, Caroline and I realised yesterday, you know, I've never voted for a woman. I've never had the uh, the option to vote for a woman just because of where I where I live, and where I've lived in London. Blimey, yeah, wow. God, it does make me feel spoiled. Oh, I might not be able to vote for a woman next time. Oh, Diane, I hope she stays as my MP. Um, yeah, boundary changes. I guess you might be screwed. But um, I, I take your point. I think it's the same thing as you know, is Facebook a problem? Is the internet killing our attention spans? The problem is what we've got is sugar, and polling is sugar, and there's also a nutritious buffet. But just as in real life, too many of us are going, hmm, sugar. Maybe I could just have some sugar. When actually, you know, for evolutionary right, reasons, no. But I, but you know what I mean. The trouble is that yeah, there's that experiment evolution where they has give the kids everything they. If you don't, if you take away sugar, then people actually just have a balanced diet and yeah. But but evolution has led us to seek out, you know, to seek out sugar, and it's led us to seek out because it because it it signals to the you know it's a high calorie food, which is really useful when you've been chased around by mammoths. But the same thing with information. You know, our brains are constantly hungry. It's how we've survived. It's how we've become, you know, tool makers. It's how we've put a man on the moon. But that same thing, unfortunately, makes us very liable to just constantly seek new information. And that's what polling is. It's sugar. 
So there's really interesting, actually, divide here, right? In the, I'm basically going for the man is innately born, born damned and right. can only be saved through faith, right? In many ways, a more Catholic approach, right? Yeah. And, and yet you are going for the Protestant, like, no, 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 we just need to work harder and it would all be fine. Yeah, so. which is a reversal of our, our respective backgrounds. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but the thing is, I, do, I don't think polling will necessarily be such a problem because it's now got to such a pitch that if you don't believe it, it becomes pointless, right? That's the that's the problem with it. Is it only there's only point checking the polls every day if you think they're telling you anything useful? And I think it will take. You know, Huffington Post had Hillary Clinton victory at ninety eight, ninety nine percent. You know, it's going to be quite hard for people to kind of come back from from you, that. You say that, but we did that. We said that after the general election, and then everyone was like, "Oh, the poll, the poll, this the." Yeah. yeah, but like even pigeons learn eventually after pecking a kind of electrocuting wire a couple of times. We will surely eventually realise that polls are not helping us understand things as quite as much as we think they are. Tune in next week to find out if we whether or not we are as a, an industry smarter or dumber than pigeons. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast, presented by Helen Lewis and me, Stephen Bush, and produced by India Bork. You can find us every week at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast or on iTunes. Our theme music is Devil with the Devil by the Underscore Orchestra, licensed under Creative Commons. Mm-hmm.